You're listening to Pixels and Flesh, an Anderson Dexter novel, written and read by M. Darusha Wayne. For more information, visit darusha.ca. Chapter 15 Dex had a hard time focusing on work the next morning, but he gave it a good try. Annabelle had been teaching him how to keep part of his attention on the physical world while active in M-City. He wasn't good at it, and it felt extremely odd. But there were a few activities where it was particularly useful. Given Annabelle's preference for the virtual, and Dex's opposite proclivity, it was a skill worth working on. They'd had an extensive practice session last night before falling asleep. Now he was back in M-City, trying to focus on the interior of his closet office back in Nice while still being able to read the files on his desk. He could do it if he really put his mind to it, but then he found that he couldn't remember what he'd just read. Maybe this was a skill that should be contained to the bedroom, and the living room, and kitchen, and... He grinned to himself. He was feeling pretty good when his messenger pinged. It was a file, not a call, since his desk phone didn't ring. He looked over at his in-tray and saw a file materialize. He grabbed it and flipped it open. It was the final report on the explosion at de Gaulle. Dex scanned it, his eyes getting caught on a word he hadn't expected to see. Fatality. There was one fatality recorded as a direct result of the incident. That can't be right, he thought, then read on. It was true that the injuries reported had only been minor, but the person who had sustained burns was not employed. He was a streeter who'd been sleeping in the park, and since he had no employment, he also had no access to a med clinic. Left untreated, his injuries had apparently become infected. He'd been found dead in an alley only two blocks away from de Gaulle. His name was Lennox Sessa. Dex committed the name to memory, then focused his anger to try to get through the rest of the report. The incident was being ruled an accident, but there were several caveats. The chain of events leading to the explosion was determined to be a case of bad luck. The heat from the overcharged power bank had been just enough to ignite the construction materials, which ordinarily wouldn't have been left there, but a windstorm had forced the construction crew to use the shelter of the power bank. The overcharging of the power bank in the first place, on the other hand, was suspicious. There were multiple levels of safeguards in place to prevent that behavior from occurring. Not only was a flammable power bank unsafe, it was also entirely not cost-effective. But the safeguards had all been remotely disabled. Every last one of them. It was as if someone were just waiting for the bank to overheat and burst. The company who owned the power bank, Electrois, had apparently rebooted their entire safety system after the event, ensuring that their other power banks were protected properly. They refused to provide any additional information, but the supposition was that their entire fleet of power banks had been affected. It was sheer luck that only one had failed. Dex pushed the file away a sour feeling beginning to grow in his belly. This wasn't anything like the rash of vandalism. The M.O.s were entirely different. One was the work of brazen, street-level hoodlums. The other was behind-the-scenes cracker work. But it felt like they were connected. The results were the same, disrupting the day-to-day -day operations of arms of the big firms. On a hunch, Dex looked up Electrois, Techloid, and Empire to see if any of them were actually subsidiaries of a larger organization. Empire came back negative. They were the parent. 
but the nasty feeling in his guts intensified when Dex saw that Electra and Techloid were actually both owned by Vertisales. Someone was targeting Empire and Vertisales, and it was a coordinated, meticulous effort. The word that came to mind was professional. How had he missed an organization like this? Dex was extremely well-connected within the small but growing resistance to the firm's control. At least, he'd always thought that he was. But what if he and the people he worked with weren't the only ones trying to change the balance of power? What if they weren't even the most effective? Surely there had to be some crossover between the two groups. Dex's organization was mostly concerned about keeping M-City accessible, and these new vigilantes seemed to be confining their efforts on the physical world, but even people like Annabelle had a foot in each camp. Most people had contacts and business in both places. He prepared a report with his hypothesis and sent it on a wide band to the squads he had access to, asking them to forward it on. Separately, he sent messages to Zahara Zhang, Mac Larson, and Rene Biagini to ask for a meeting. He wasn't sure the three of them had ever met before, but they were the squad captains whose ears he had, and Dex was convinced that the more people who were looking into this, the better off they would be. He had no moral problem with vigilantism. Arguably, he and the rest of the people who worked in his organization were guilty of just that. The closest thing to a rule of law were the policies and regulations set out by each company to govern its employees and the few areas where the firms agreed between themselves to act a certain way. And there was no doubt that Dex and his peers acted outside of what little law existed. Dex was also no stranger to using violence or its threat to deter bad behavior, and he didn't lose any sleep over that either. He'd never cracked anyone's head who hadn't done worse themselves. Sure, it wasn't the best solution, but it was a solution, and sometimes that was all you could do. He had no illusions about his own dubious ethics. But this seemed all wrong to him. He recalled the anachronistic old saw that you had to break a few eggs to make an omelet, that collateral damage was a natural price one might have to pay in a fight. He got it. Everything in life was a trade-off. But it seemed to him that the attacks on the shops and businesses were disproportionately affecting ordinary people who were just caught up in the crossfire. People being forced to work unpaid overtime or potentially even being fired was out of proportion, too. Dex thought of all those people living on the beach, the people on the street he'd seen sleeping under broken-down cartons or selling their few possessions for whatever euros they could get. How many of them were made jobless and homeless because their employer blamed them for letting an attack happen on their shift? If it was even one, that was one too many. And as for the sabotage of the power banks, it was only random chance that no one had been killed at the point of the Jibagal explosion. That anyone had been hurt at all seemed to Dex to be an unacceptable side effect. And then that someone had ultimately died? That was unconscionable. It was not Lennox Sess's fault that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But what happened to him was someone's fault. And Dex meant to find that person. Dex had invited Annabelle to his meeting with the squad captains, but she begged off. Too busy with work, she messaged. Plus, I don't know anything about this. I doubt it'd be any help. Even if she wasn't up to speed, tracking down these vigilantes seemed like a more valuable use of her time than a glorified paint job or even fixing some training lab security patch. But he had pushed her into going freelance, and he knew that when she did something, she did it right. And just because he was feeling slightly paranoid, that didn't mean she had to drop everything to hold his hand. 
I'll fill you in later, he messaged back and linked over to the M-City squad offices. Larson had booked one of the fancy meeting rooms, and he was already there with Susanna Bells, his number two. As soon as Dex saw them, he had a flash of panic. What if he was totally overreacting? He had no solid proof for his theory. In fact, it was built on one piece of circumstantial evidence on top of another. Was he just wasting everybody's time? Zahara Zhang walked through the door and extended a hand to Larson. Good to see you again, Mac. How are things going around here? Can't complain, he said. We're keeping the wolves at bay, at least. Dex was spared from listening to any more of Larson's clichés by Renee's arrival. At first, Dex didn't recognize him. They had never met in M-City, so Dex wasn't prepared for Biagini's avatar. It was nearly a clone of a popular androgynous escort bot. Of course, being the sexiest avatar in the room was classic Biagini, so Dex wasn't entirely surprised when he saw his friend's name hover over the avatar. Knowing who was who, Dex turned off the overlay and gestured for everyone to sit at the long boardroom table. I suppose you're all wondering why I called you here today, he said to Biagini's smirk and Zhang's long-suffering sigh. Have you all had a chance to look at that file I sent around? There were nods all around the table, and Biagini said, I've got something to add to that file. Just this morning, I got confirmation that the attacks on Techloid and Empire businesses fitting the pattern of what we've seen in Nice are, indeed, happening in jurisdictions all over Europa and America. Dex felt a download drop into his system. Zahara Zhang nodded. We've had several cases in the last month. Nothing much stolen, but a lot of mess and disruption. It took a while to correlate, because many of the affected shops didn't contact anyone. They just cleaned up the mess and moved on. Mac Larson frowned. I understand that you want to be thorough, but I have to point out that we haven't seen anything like this in here. Of course, neither Techloid nor Empire have strong holdings in M-City, so that would add another point in favor of the idea that this is specifically targeted at those two firms. It's not Techloid, Dex broke in. Not entirely, anyway. He explained the connection with Vertisales and the incident at De Gaulle. I am convinced that whoever is behind this had no idea that there would be an explosion. It was, as much as I hate to admit it, just an unfortunate coincidence. But one person has already died. Something has to be done before someone else gets hurt. There were several nods around the room. It seems to me that there is pretty clearly an orchestrated effort to disrupt these two companies. What we need to do is find out who's behind it. Susanna Bells was the first to say what Dex guessed they had all been thinking. Do you think it might be some of the same people we worked with before, when we distributed the initial package to decentralize M-City? It was a rhetorical question, but Biagini answered it anyway. Seems likely. By necessity, we were working with people who have no loyalty to the firms, some of whom actively want to reduce their influence. I mean, let's be candid. All of us sitting here in this room could be described that way. I can imagine that some of the people we dealt with might be inclined to take more direct action, sure. He ran his hands over his smooth, pretty avatar's face. Honestly, if I hadn't seen the spillover effects myself, I might be inclined to approve of it, too. Sitting around complaining that you don't like the way the world is being run never solved anything. This isn't the way to do it, Dex said. I know, I know, Biagini answered. I'm only saying I can see the appeal. And it's easy to start with a noble cause, then get a bit carried away with the execution. Especially if you have a lot of people involved. And there must be an awful lot of people involved, Zhang said. Look at how many places have been affected. 
She shook her head. I don't know how this has been kept quiet, given how many people this would take. Even if it's, say, a team of two in each location, that's still at least a hundred individuals. Unless they're traveling, Dex said to looks of confusion. Let's say that this project is your full-time gig. No, I don't know how that would work financially, but putting that aside for a moment, if my daily grind is pulling jobs like this, I bet I could travel to most of the locations in Europa over the course of when these attacks happened. Well, Larson said, it would be easy enough to find out if that were possible. Give me a minute. His avatar froze for a moment, and when he reanimated, a large chart materialized on the table in front of him. I've plotted out all the events from Biagini's report, grouped by an easy day's travel. Tex is right, this could all be done with a few small teams working full out. He spread the chart on the table, and Dex was amazed to clearly see the pattern. A shop would be hit in one location, then the next day a similar event would take place in a nearby area. The pattern would continue in a loop, resulting in another attack in the first location several days later. It made each attack in an individual jurisdiction appear somewhat random, but when it was laid out like this, the pattern was obvious. Well, Biagini said, that was unexpected. You've been listening to Pixels and Flesh by M. Darusha Wayne. For more information about this and the other Anderson Dexter books, visit darusha.ca. Thanks for listening.